Hello, and welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 48. Today we'll be talking about episode 4 of season 3, Self-Inflicted Wounds, Wait for the Wheel. I'm Kay, here with my co-host Taz. Hello. Let's get started. Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of Self-Inflicted Wounds Part 2. Moya is worsening, and the crew quickly realizes that it's because Niala and her crew are sabotaging Moya's systems. When confronted, the shady Pathfinder tries to defend her actions, but has destroyed even John's trust. Now the crew works together and finds a way to save Moya, only to be faced with a hard choice. One of their own will need to be sacrificed to save Moya and her crew. So now we have the thrilling conclusion to last week's episode, Self-Inflicted Wounds Part 1, with this week's episode where we left John hanging by his fingernails from one of the platforms in Pilot's Den. And he has just seen a picture in the camera that he took to survey the wormholes of the Three Stooges. So he knows Earth is out there through that wormhole system. And he's been attacked by this wormhole worm. I like calling it the wormhole worm instead of the wormhole snake because I think it sounds better. So he is hanging on by his fingertips and he's got his gun out and he shoots it. And it runs off and doesn't kill him. And he's able to do a pretty pretty good pull up. Ben Browder has really nice arms and can pull <laughs> his own body weight up. I was very impressed. And so now we have... Going into this episode, the situation as it stands, as we will remind you, uh, Moya is in bad shape. They've crashed into this ship called that's uh, led by Pathfinder Niala, who are these aliens who are researching wormholes. And Moya's systems are shutting down, Pilot is unconscious, and they have to decide when they separate the ships whether they're going to go on Moya, who they think is dying, or if they're going to go with the Pathfinder Niala and her crew on their research ship, which is, of course, what the Pathfinder Niala... I keep saying the Pathfinder Niala. I'm just going to stop. It's, of course, what Niala wants for them to do because they want to save their research. Mm -hmm. And so the first scene that we get is... Is John telling Aaron and Zan and Pilot Sten that hey, I saw I saw Earth. Earth is out there through the wormhole. And I gotta say, Zan's snark is pretty great at the beginning of this episode, <laughs> where she's like, "I'm really happy for you, John. That's very selfish of you. Uh, Moya is dying, and we need to focus on this problem now." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paraphrase. Yeah, Zan is, well, I love the way that she's super dry, where she's like, "I'm super glad that in this moment of crisis." <laughs> with Pilot and Moya dying, that you found some happiness. And John, yeah. John is 100% aware of the selfishness of his whole thing. And the thing is, is what Zan realizes when John shot at the snake was that he was just shooting randomly and then the snake worm thing went away. And Zan is like, well, what happened to the member of Niela's crew? Because she sees white blood on the floor, which is the color of the blood of the Pathfinder and her crew. So she's like, what happened to the crew member? And John was like, there was no crew member up here. What are you talking about? And that's when they begin to realize that this phase shifter thing that Niala has on board would potentially make the crew invisible if they used it on themselves. Mm -hmm. And I like that it's that's Aaron who kind of gets that that connection put together mm -hmm. she she asked john again so what does that phase till on generator actually do and john spouts off some techno babble and aaron's like so we wouldn't see them and john's like 
oh, okay, I get what you're saying mm-hmm. now. Invisibility. So now they're like, okay, so all the problems that have happened with Moya, what if not all of them are because of the crash and the wormhole? What if it's sabotage? Mm-hmm. We actually have two conversations that kind of play out this whole scenario. So we're going to have the crew tell you in their own words. But you have John meeting with Shiana and Rigel in the Neural Nexus. And you have Aaron, Zan, Dargo, and Stark meeting somewhere else on the ship. I can't remember where exactly. Yeah. Um, but Maintenance Bay, for instance, or Zan's lab. So the, the scene intercuts. I actually kind of like this scene. And I want to talk about it, just the cinematography for a minute. Because you have the scene intercutting between the two groups, Mm -hmm. and they're basically saying the exact same thing to the groups, but with slightly different shades of who can we trust on our own crew Mm -hmm. to follow through with this plan. So I'm just going to play it, and it might be a little bit confusing to hear it orally, but we'll, we'll talk about it. There's no way to tell if this is sabotage. Doesn't matter anymore if it is. Moya's frilled, and our only option is to go on Niala's ship. And what if they are screwing us? Especially if they've screwed us. Means they have the upper claw. Nah, I'm a Dargo on this. I think we need to know the truth. I do not trust Gretton's judgment. Agreed, he claims to have seen Earth again, and I'm sure he's still talking to Scorpius. We all know where Rydell's loyalties lie. Sadly, Giannis too. All right. Then whether they agree or not, we must stick to plan. First thing we do, everybody acts normal. Don't tip them off. Surprise may be our only ally. If Niala's people aren't sabotaging Moya, we'll go with them. If they are, we defeat them. Our appears from the Nexus points. So they're isolated from Moya's main systems. That way, if they fry again... We'll know it's them. Do you actually believe they're using their generator to turn themselves invisible? It would explain the sequence of decompressions. It's geographically consistent with someone running from place to place. Which leads us to the blood and pilot's den. The cavern beneath must be searched. Can we rely on you, Rigel? Mm. Can we rely on Rigel? All right. But not for you. He has been at Moya the longest. For Moya. Keep comms on restricted frequency. Switch comms to DECA. Yeah, so it's interesting that essentially what it starts off with is the characters that we as viewers actually trust the most right now, which are Dargo, Zan, Aaron, and Stark, because those are the ones that have kind of been really steadfastly pro-Moya, that (laughs) they're the ones that are like, well, we can't trust anybody else. And actually, it makes sense to me why they would be having a separate conversation, because they don't really trust... Chiana and Rigel and John right now kind of for good reason but what doesn't make sense to me is why John would be having this like secret conversation with Rigel and Chiana do you know what I mean well yeah well I'm wondering if it's how secret the conversation really is because he and Zan and Aaron were all making the discovery together in Pilot's Den so maybe they said okay we need to figure out if this is sabotage or not and and Aaron and Xander are like, right, we're going to go fill in Dargo and Stark. You go fill in Rigel and Shiana. And that may be setting up this, these two separate conversations kind of in advance, mm-hmm. but without saying up front is like, oh, yeah, John, by the way, we don't trust your judgment. Yeah. Which they don't at the moment because they're worried about his wanting to go back home to Earth and the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That's actually, I, I like that a lot better because initially I was like, okay, that makes sense, but it's also a little confusing. But then I was like, oh, okay, when, when you point that out, that makes sense. Yeah. And it also makes sense because they are essentially saying the same plan. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like they would have had to coordinate a little bit of like what the plan is mm-hmm. first. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. We also see the tensions within the crew. But then we also notice that immediately as soon as there's this crisis and as soon as they're working together to save Moya, everybody comes together. And that's something we see from this crew over and over and over again, that when it comes down to the wire, the crew will always save Moya. It will always save, they'll always save each other. Mm-hmm. I think the interesting point of that one is the other person that's questioned is Rigel's like, will Rigel follow through on this plan or is he going to sell us out? Mm-hmm. And Stark brings up the question and John brings up the question. And I, I really like that it's, you know, he does have a connection with Moya because he's been aboard her for so long, like hundreds of cycles is the implication mm-hmm. from early episodes in season one. And he's like, okay, someone's sabotaging her. I feel enough for the ship that, yeah, I will see if we can stop this sabotage and save her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's it's good. And Rigel kind of does have a really good redemption arc this episode because last episode he was just really skeevy. And this episode, I think that Zan's conversation with him is finally getting through. Well, and also, mm-hmm. <laughs> also Stark kind of does play to him because later on when they're they're in the middle. They're in like the nexus. They're doing something and they're... They're fixing the connections to pilot. Yeah, they're fixing the connections to pilot. And Stark looks at Rigel and he's like, well, pilot likes you. And Rigel's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and it kind of becomes important later. So I'm dropping it now. But essentially, he's like, oh, pilot likes me? How do you know? And Stark's like, pilot told me. But Stark is like lying through his teeth there. I'm convinced of it. Because, you know, oh, he's, yeah. some, he's he's a liar sometimes. He'll come up with things. Like you saw that in Liars, Guns, and Money when he was telling telling John that Dargo thought he was useless. And I think this mm-hmm. is another one of those moments where he's just like dropping a line because he can, not necessarily whether he knows it's going to be important later or not. But mm-hmm. it's just Stark doing that thing he does. Lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> lying. So after the after the plan is is kind of happening and Rigel goes down and he's looking for the girl and everybody is kind of doing their thing, John and Dargo have this like man-to-man conversation inside the ship because Dargo has figured out how to get inside the ship. The little ship, not The Moya. little ship. Yeah, no, not, I mean, obviously, yeah, his new ship, Dargo's ship. Yes. He's inside Dargo's ship. And... He's kind of pressing buttons and John is like, uh, are you sure you should be pressing on these buttons? We're kind of in the middle of a crisis here. And they just have really like a good conversation that gets us back to that place of John and Dargo are good friends, you mm-hmm. know? And I like that Dargo's like, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, he's come to yeah. this ship, has become his thinking cap ship. And he, he's trying to figure out what's going on, lets him think about things. And, and one of the things they talk about is Chiara. Obviously, mm-hmm. this is something that's been very much in the front of Dargo's head and his mind as he's been going through this crisis is what do I do about Shiana and do I forgive her? Do I not forgive her kind of thing? And this is where I admit I actually don't remember what they talked about. <laughs> it's that. just like a yeah, it's just like a man to man combo. I almost had us clip it, but it really they're just kind of getting back to a place of friendship. Okay. They're having the conversation where Dargo is like yeah, well, you know, Gianna, and he's kind of coming to a place of peace with that because I think Dargo's thing is, like, he's realizing that he can't take Gianna back. They're not going to be together again, but she still is important to him. 
which is a huge step up from where they were, mm-hmm. you know? Well, there's even a moment of that in last episode, which I don't think we talked about it, where they've made the decision to abandon Moya and Shiana is crying in the hallway upset about it and Dargo comes up to her and Mm -hmm. says I can't take you back but I don't want to leave you in pain alone either so I won't so they still have a connection to each other even if it's no longer a romantic one yeah so last episode Zane was kind of saying some goodbyes but this episode it becomes very very clear that as you're watching it for the second time you realize this entire episode is just goodbyes and one of them is between Aaron and Zane And you and I had both kind of had this weird feeling when Zan said, oh, well, I saved you because John Crichton loves you. And it kind of got a little weird. But I think that this conversation more than makes up for for that weirdness. Yeah. Here, I'll play it. Zan? Zan! That woman was invisible when she was killed in Prilus' den. The betrayal must be punished. Not like this, Zan. It won't help Moya. I must control myself. It was a bad trade, son. Your health for mine. Don't undervalue yourself. I'm just a soldier. underestimate yourself I'm being realistic don't be afraid to understand yourself we're not as different as you assume violent past no faith in the future and then a transformative experience aboard this very ship my time grows short and yours stretches before you yeah i mean one of the things we said before was it it felt almost as if the reasoning or at least the stated reason that zan gave herself her life force for aaron was oh we have to make john Crichton happy because he's the main character and it felt very john centric and i love about this conversation what i love about it is that it becomes very aaron centric mm-hmm. and Aaron's life is stretching before her and she is worth the sacrifice that Zan made essentially is what she says don't underestimate yourself don't undervalue yourself you are worthy of this gift let me give it to you Mm -hmm. so that's that's a really lovely lovely scene between the two of them yeah I agree with you I think it really works for me because of exactly your point that this kind of turns the Zan's whole death back into a gift for Aaron rather than a gift for John which kind of, I don't know, had weird skeevy undertones. Mm -hmm. And also it just kind of, it makes it make sense. Because like we said, from a Doyleist perspective, you know, Virginia Hay needed off the show because she was having medical problems because of the makeup. So the writers needed to give her a way out that wasn't like, oh, and then Zan goes to a monastery and we never hear from her again, you know, or something that kind of undervalued the character. And so by her and Aaron being able to reach this piece I don't know it felt like a really it felt like an arc that stretched from season one to now mm-hmm. where season one really was about Aaron realizing who she is and season two was Aaron's real redemption arc and then season three now we're kind of getting to the point where Aaron is like okay sure but my life isn't valued even though I've kind of even though I've made something different than it was and Zan kind of here being able to say, no, 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 
your life has as much value as mine. Yeah. And also it's like now you have the opportunity to, I want to say cash in, but like finally realize that life that you've gotten to, you've gotten away from your angry, violent past. You've gotten through this redemption arc of figuring out who you are on this crew and with John. And now you can go realize that you're not going to have a life cut short. Mm-hmm. Whereas Zan has gone through this arc already. I mean, Zan's arc stems back to her prison days where she was a violent prisoner. She was an anarchist. And in prison, she went through that coming to peace and becoming a priest and pursuing the Sikh. And mm-hmm. her journey on Moya's crew has has not been the same transformative one as it has been for Aaron. And mm-hmm. it has transformed her, but not in the same fundamental way that it transformed Aaron's person of self-worth and who she is and who she is not with the peacekeepers and without the peacekeepers. Zan already shed her per- previous life when she became a prisoner. And mm-hmm. coming out of that on the other side on Moya was kind of the tail end of her journey of being able to realize who she was. So her gift is to give that same opportunity back to Aaron that she had. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that actually makes perfect sense. Yeah, because we've seen Zan's arc kind of twice. Like she's talked about it a lot. And then we've also seen it from the new Delvia episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we um, kind of got it. In blue. We kind of yeah. got it in miniature again. Mm-hmm. And so it does feel, it feels very whole that kind of Zan is kind of coming from a place of, I've been able to live my life and I've had my redemption. And now I'm giving you the chance to live your truth and to live your life, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know. It feels really good. And yeah. I also want to mention that at the very beginning of this quote, Zan is red-eyed again, and she's going after Niala, and she's going to kill her. And Aaron stops her because Aaron realizes that Zan wouldn't want to do anything in these last moments before her death that she wouldn't have done in her life. Mm-hmm. So while this is happening, Stark is in the hallways working with Jewel, who is either hanging out with him or supposedly helping him. It's very unclear because all Jewel is doing is whining about how terrible her life is. And Stark, who is about to lose the love of his life that he has just found, kind of loses it at her. And it's it's one of these really nice contrasts between, you know, the microcosm of a personal life and the the bigger picture that's happening with the crew at the moment. So I'm just going to play it and then we can see how we think about Jewel afterwards. A living ship. I've never heard of such a beast. Which obviously means it can't exist. Oh. You've so figured me out. Not trying to. Be quiet, please. The gag remains an option. Is it true what the animal said? That you're all prisoners? At some time or other, yes. Gray. Just Gray. I take a multi-civilization tour for my birthday and barely make it through the first dome. I lose my deposit. My cousins get murdered. I've been frozen for 22 cycles. I've been captured by degenerate aliens, attacked by a huge serpent's Dead! All of us dead! My love dead! My dreams dead! You dead! Me dead! You dead! Me dead! You dead! Me dead! You dead! Me dead! Your list is short and unworthy of entree to this ship of horror. Tortured by demons you can never know. Mocked by a love that will never be. Oh, you want to cry, young creature? I will show you something that will make you cry forever. 
Okay, creepy Stark again. And mostly just for the end when he's like, I'm going to show you something worthy of crying over. Because that is just really cruel to do. Because he has so much horror stored up within his his being and his mask and all of that. It's just like, yes, she's being an idiot and self-centered and annoying as all get out. But I don't think she deserves that from Stark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also I think that ties back to Stark's statement in the last episode where he was talking to Zan about how he has all this darkness inside of him. And now essentially right now, the only thing keeping that darkness in check is Zan mm-hmm. and his is his idea that he needs to be a better person for Zan. And I don't know. Yeah, I think that this kind of gives us a, a hint of the Stark to come, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's so distraught, you know, and it's it's like the epitome of starkness coming out with the we're all going to die. You're dead. I'm dead. You're dead. The whole my side, your side rhythm coming mm-hmm. out. And he's just, oh, my heart kind of breaks for Stark in this episode because, you know, Zan is dying. He's so in love with her. And as you said, he wants to be a better person for her. And he's only just found her, too. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. real tragedy of their relationship, is they've only really come together as a couple in, what, the last six episodes-ish, end of season mm-hmm. two, beginning of season three. And that's not a lot of time to have with somebody. Yeah. And compared to especially Chiana and Dargo or Aaron and John. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason it feels so so intimate, at least on Stark's part, because we know that Zan loves him and cares about him, but we don't really know that if she sees him the same way that he sees her, where he sees her as like his one true love and his one chance at love. And Zan, I think, just sees him as a lover and as somebody that she cares about and as somebody that she's grown very intimate with. And I think because of the mind melding that they've shared and the internal emotional intimacy that they now have with each other of being inside each other's heads and being inside each other's souls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. I mean, I don't feel like Zan's feelings for Stark are any less than his, but they are definitely different in tone. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Like, I still yeah. feel like she feels very strongly for Stark because we, we saw that at the end of uh, The Ugly Truth when he was dispersed and she was really upset by that whole situation. Mm-hmm. And later on when she has his mask and she said, look, Stark came to me and told me in a dream that he we need to be here. And that's where his recorporal shit. Becoming... <laughs> <laughs> back into his body so you know she has that intensity of feeling for him the same way or the same intensity of the feeling for him that he has for her here it's just that whereas before she lost him here he Mm -hmm. is losing her and because she's still present and not absent like he was we get to see the contrast with zan coming to peace with her own death Mm mm-hmm it's hard. This whole is episode hard. is real hard in terms of everything Zan related. But yeah. And and so I don't know. I think Stark's intensity does make sense because here's this this child essentially whining about like, oh, my present got ruined. And he's like, okay, we're all about to die. I'm about to lose <laughs> the love of my life. Like you need to get over yourself. Though if you look at the actual what happened to Jewel, it is kind of a horrifying experience that she has gone through. She's basically... Yeah kidnapped while on vacation it's like the spring break horror movie nightmare right (laughs) and her kidneys were about to be stolen and she's gonna be left in a bathtub abandoned by everything in a foreign country you know it's like that is its own horror story it's just in the context of uh, as stark says the ship of horrors which 
poor Moya. <laughs> she doesn't deserve yeah. that, but it's kind of true. You know, in the context, it is so much less than what they're currently dealing with because they are about to die. He's absolutely right about that. But on the other hand, this is where kind of some of my sympathy for Jewel comes in. She's had a pretty raw deal too. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'll give you that for certain because it is when you put it in the context of like, I was on vacation and then (laughs) my cousins were killed. I'm now 22 years later. I don't know where I am. Because yeah. essentially now they're in the uncharted territories. So I mean, she could be Captain America for all we know. Yeah, that's true. Except <laughs> she's no, really Steve not. did not wake up and start screaming in an irritated way. I'm like, not saying know. she's handling it well, but the context is there. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, so th- I do have this pity for Jewel. And it really is pity. It's not like... Yeah. Okay, so I have an addition to our Dargo spectrum of, <laughs> is it as bad as cutting off your finger? Which is, I think we now have the new, like, good plan. So if the bad plan is, is it as bad as cutting off your own pinky finger? The new good plan is, is it as good as having the DRDs use these magic lights that can somehow see the people that are phased out of phase reality? Which is something he got from his ship, but then he's using now with the DRDs, and that's how he finds the invisible crew Mm -hmm. member yeah so going back just a little bit we finally get to see on screen the crew member and niala talking about the sacrifice that they have to make so just to recap the families of the researchers are being held hostage for the wormhole information so they have to do everything possible to get that research home and what niala is asking of her crew members is to expose themselves to this phase generator which is going to kill them to go invisible and sabotage moya and we see that happen And then Dargo's ship does these crazy light things that he discovers during that conversation with John we talked about. And then that's how they end up. They use light and lasers and basically find the silhouette of the person that is invisible to hunt hunt them down. Mm -hmm. But it's like a genuinely good plan. It's a good plan. Yeah, and Dargo came up with it. (laughs) Good job, Dargo. Kudos. And he's hunting the, the guy with Chiana and... She actually ends up getting shot, and he's like, make a tourniquet. And she's like, with what? (laughs) Yeah, well, she gets shot with the needle things that come out of the the alien's heads. So so it's basically they have like these gill-like things that that flap up, and then they shoot these little needles. They're metal-tipped, which is important later, and they're poisoned. And so Chiana ends up poisoned, and then... Dargo, because he is not a cruel, heartless monster, even though he's still mad at her, basically picks her up and has her ride piggyback while he goes and hunts down the crew member. The reason that they have to hunt this crew member is because they've finally confronted Niala. Niala knows that they know. And Niala actually has this whole thing where she ends up getting really angry at Zan and and Aaron. And she's like, you know, I'm sacrificing my crew members also that I won't have to kill you. I could have just killed all of you as soon as we came on board with these metal tipped you know, poison things. And I don't know, it's an interesting conversation to me. I don't really want to delve too much into it because uh, Niala's, you know, pretty, at this point, she's pretty much your regular stamp out, cut out of, you know, a one-off bad guy. Villain-splaining. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know, but it it is an interesting point that even though they, they disdain aliens, that for some reason Niala chose to not kill all of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it sp- speaks to the morality that she has. And it's, you know, she's a researcher and a scientist. And as we learned in the previous episode, she's never killed anyone before. I could see mm-hmm. her definitely hesitating of, 
okay, how could we convince these people that they need to come on our ship and go with us? Because that's the way they will live and we will still have our wormhole research. It's not a bad plan from her perspective. And Mm -hmm. it's a humane one also. It speaks to a complicated situation, I think. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and I think the show does this interesting thing where they introduce like a third option that I hadn't even considered, but that I'm like, yeah, why didn't they do that? And then the show just kind of brushes it off. And it's like, because we didn't do that. That's why we didn't do it. And it, which is that I think John is like, wait a second. Well, why didn't you just tell us that like, okay, we're going to split across, we're going to split the ships and this is what you have to do. And then your ship would survive and we would all get killed. Mm hmm. And we wouldn't even know the difference because we wouldn't know the science. And she was kind of like, well, because that's why we didn't do that. And I was like, you know, because we just didn't do that. And I was like, okay. Well, it's kind of lampshading the alternate, you know, hole in the plot, I guess. Um, At the same time, though, you can kind of see, like, this is how decisions happen. And avenues get closed off once people make decisions for different things. So I guess that part of it didn't bother me so much. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you find on TV shows when there's plot happens and sometimes the characters are just so dumb. And you're like, why are you doing that? Why aren't you doing this other easy thing? (laughs) And sometimes there is no good reason. And sometimes the episode is written so well that you don't care. And mm-hmm. I think this is one of those instances where the episode is done so well that I really, I don't care that they didn't go with the easy option. Otherwise, yeah. there'd be no, no story, you know? Yeah, that's true. So like we said, Chiana got shot with the darts and Zan is healing her now. And they do that because Aaron had Rigel collect some samples of the darts from the dead crew member, from Neela's dead crew member that they found at the base of Pilot's Den. And so while Zan is healing Chiana, she and Dargo sit down and they have this very intimate conversation where she says that when she found out there was a Luxon on board of Moya, she wished for a really long time that he would succumb to hyper rage and kill her. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, not really knowing that he would become one of her best friends. It's one of those moments where it's like, you know, you've, you've known somebody long enough and you go back, you've known each other long enough, you can finally talk about your first impressions of each other. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of it's kind of one of those moments where she was in such despair that she wanted to die, and then knowing who he is now, she's glad that she didn't die so that she could come to know him. Mm-hmm. It's like a really good goodbye, you mm-hmm. know. They're like they're like really just holding each other in a very intimate way, and I don't know, it's nice. Yeah. And then we have kind of an inverse. I I kind of want to play this clip because even though it's another jewel and somebody talking badly about jewel clip. I want to talk about this interaction that John and she have because I feel like it's an inverse and an, a realistic portrayal of IET, one of the first episodes in season one. Comms. What are you doing? Deputizing you, debutante. See those lights? Recycling faster. Hear that noise? Oh! Pitch is rising. At some point, we're out of time. I want you to make a judgment call. When you think it's going to blow, you get us back here. What? I mean, I don't know how. Look. Yeah. Princess, I know that this trip to Krugerland was not on your itinerary, but believe it or not, I know exactly how you feel. Don't presume to know anything about me. You hold this steady. You're more afraid of what you're aiming at. Uh, I've never done anything like this. None of us have. You killed my cousin. Not on purpose. He was a corpsicle and your other cousin, he didn't last half a minute defrosted. Then why did I survive? I don't know. You're not sick. Maybe they shanghaied you for body parts. You're the freebie. 
everything I have seen so far is despicable. Welcome to the Federation Starship SS butt crack. Oh, John Crichton, I love you. But yeah, so so they are desperately trying to get Moya sealed up. By that, I mean so many of her tears have been decompressed that they're trying to make sure that the outer tears are decompressed and the inner ones are all safe for everybody and there's no leaks because they're going to be splitting apart. On command, where the two commands of the ships are intertwined, there's the Fastalon generator control panel, which is the beeping that you hear, and they're waiting for it to recharge or something. It has to get to a certain point before it's ready to engage again. And Yala is sitting there handcuffed, and Jewel is sitting there handcuffed, and that's when John comes in and says, okay, you're the lesser of my two problems right now. I need you to watch Niala and watch this thing and tell us when it's ready to go. So that's kind of the plot point going on right there. And then you have Jewel's like completely in over her head, and it's like a mirror of season one John Crichton. You know, mm-hmm. where he's completely in over his head. There's strange alien technology she's supposed to figure out. And no one's going to tell her how because they don't really understand what's going on either. And you just hear her frustration of, I've been dumped onto this crazy ship of these people that I don't like. And I've had a really terrible day. And now I'm supposed to deal with this too. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, exactly. I like comparing it to John because it really is, you know, when he was like, I know how you feel. And she's like, don't presume to know how I feel. But I'm like, no, he actually legit does. Mm-hmm. He was also brought onto the ship in an in an emergency. And he also had to deal with being taken prisoner and being the new man on this crew, mm-hmm. you know, and then having to help them get away and and in the process, become part of the crew. And a little bit of that happens with Jewel here, where she's, okay, she's in charge of this machine. And she, to her credit, she does does keep an eye on it for him and, and kind of mm-hmm. figure out what's going on with it. I, and I also like the Star Trek reference. This, <laughs> these two both were like super heavy with the Star Trek references. It was pretty nice. Yeah. I feel like in IET, when we had that second interaction, that second first contact, it was a lot different than here. And I feel like here is more in tune with the Farscape that's developed over three seasons. So it's just, just kind of a look back that is kind of like an, ah, remember when? You yeah, know? remember when John was that bright-eyed, bushy-tailed astronaut who thought he could make friends with everybody? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They end up with this plan, which is kind of hard to explain and kind of hand-wavy, which is that they're going to press the magic button and the two ships are going to be separated and they need pilot to be in control of Moya so that he can make sure they get to the center of the wormhole and Niala's ship gets shot out into yeah. space. And so they need to like basically rotate the ship. Aaron explains it. We're not going to play that clip. Just kind of go with it. So there Chiana ends up going back down to help with connecting the neural, the neural connections to the sensors to wake pilot up. A little bit around that same time, that's when Stark and Rigel are working on the connections and and Stark says, Pilot likes you. Aaron and Dargo and John are off sealing all the tears, making sure that decompression is not going to happen and they're all they're all safe. So some of the paths between the tears are cut off because of these bubbles of vacuum that have incurred on the on the ship. So it's so it's still a problem and we'll come back to that a little bit later. And meanwhile, Jewel is left watching Niala with a gun she doesn't know how to use. And this, basically, you can think of the Fastilon generator charging as the countdown because they only have that window. They can't stop it once it's ready to go. And then you have that snake thing still coming around and terrorizing people. And by terrorizing people, I mean, it. whenever it comes to your jewel, she screams. 
and mm-hmm. her screams melt metal. And Niala realizes this and is able to actually get out of her handcuffs by saying snake and making Jewel scream, even though the snake isn't there, and loosen her handcuffs enough that she can get free. Mm-hmm. While that's happening, Zan is praying, praying for Pilot and Moya's life because as they've gone through the tears, they've actually found out that Pilot's been cut off from, there's a decompressed zone between them and Pilot's den now from the sabotage. And so Aaron goes in in a spacesuit to find out if Pilot is still even alive. Did he die in the vacuum or was the den sealed? So there's this really long, long prayer that Zan says, and it's basically saying to her goddess, I will do anything to keep them alive. They are my charges. They don't deserve this. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, I don't know, coming to terms even more so with her role as their protector, not coming to terms with, but embodying her role as their protector and needing them to be safe. And she was willing to pay any price to Mm -hmm. her goddess for that to happen. Yeah, it's a very sensitive moment for kind of everybody involved because you have Zan who isn't there and you have Aaron who is there and Aaron is like, Aaron has been pilot, you know? What's interesting is Aaron essentially has pilot in DNA, right? Mm-hmm. Dargo, Chiana, and Rigel, no, Dargo, Dargo and Chiana, Chiana have at one point actually been in pilot's body, but neither of them seem to have the same connection that Aaron does with pilot. And I think that's a mix of their shared past and their shared guilt over Moya and also just that they have their each other's DNA. So it is Aaron coming to pilot and the moment when she takes off her helmet and she's like, there's still Aaron here. It's really thin, but he's alive. And it's just this huge sigh of relief for, you know, everybody involved, but yeah. especially for Zan, who's been praying and also for Aaron. I don't know. It, yeah. it really got me. You know? Yeah, it did. It did because you could see it on everybody's faces because they do a reaction shot around. Pilot is one of them. He's an essential part of their crew. And for all the talk of leaving and for leaving Moya and Pilot behind, you know, that would have been devastating for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. John gets at it later when he when he's talking to Jewel and he's like, do you love your parents? And she's like, yeah, of course. And he's like, would you do anything to save them? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, that's how we feel about Moya and Pilot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he kind of feels like they did raise them. Like like in Moya, you've been able to have everybody do this massive amount of emotional and spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. And they've just become different people being in there. So if you take away Moya and Pilot are they the same people? And I think the answer pretty clearly is no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you say raise them because it's also a reverse role too because the the crew is a caretaker for Moya. Like they were there and helped her birth her child. They Anytime her ship's systems are down, they're there fixing them. They are taking care of her in return and that's a lot of emotion and, and energy and investment into this ship and to the pilot. Mm-hmm. And, and to pilot so it's not just the fact that it's that sh- she has been a place for them to grow but it's been a place for them to t- learn to take care of her as well it's mm-hmm. a two-way two-way street yeah yeah i think that this episode feels really good to me because last episode was so much about like the chaos of everything is falling apart what are we going to do we don't know what the truth is and then this episode it's like they all came together they have a plan And they're going to save Moya. And it feels, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like the last five, ten minutes of Crackers Don't Matter. 
mm-hmm. where like there was the chaos and they weren't they were nowhere near at each other's throats like they were in crackers don't matter don't get me wrong but then once there's a plan it's like everybody is on board everybody is doing their part everybody knows what they have to be doing and they're just going to get through it and they're going to push this over the finish line you know yeah and there's actually a really great moment that kind of shows that is when Aaron's like, okay, we're all agreed. We're going through with this plan of waking up Moya and Pilot. And then you go around and you hear everybody say from their position, and it's different parts of the ship where they've been working to make this happen. It's like, go, 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 go. And it's just this really nice team moment of, yeah, we're all with you. We've all done our part. And now it's time to execute the plan. Mm-hmm. So and we actually have another similar moment a little bit later. So what happens is Harvey actually tips off John. And this is, again, like really pay attention to how Harvey is developing because he kind of calls John into an old memory. And he's like, so you'd do anything to save Moya, right? And John's like, yeah, of course. And he's like, why do you think Niala is any different than you? And so then John like kind of comes out and he realizes that Niala has, you know, is going to do something shady and he goes and he runs and he and she end up getting in a fight and jewel and, screams and <laughs> and basically Niala has slipped her cuffs because of jewel screams but then later jewel screams blunt the tips of her darts so john doesn't die and get poisoned to death and then she gets disintegrated by the generator thing something 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 Niala's dead <laughs> yeah Niala's dead but then they're left with like this thing because the countdown is done And they aren't quite as finished as they thought they would be. And I want to play the clip where everybody, including Rigel, (laughs) makes a decision. Guys, I got Zan here with me. Where are you? On my way. We're not quitting. Targo, start. We're never going to make it, John. We voted to stay together no matter what. And Rigel? Pilot likes me. You know, I would care to say that anything that gets me out of here alive is what we should be doing. You are a very ungrateful and selfish woman. Please remain silent from now on. Sam, none of this is going to matter if Pilot doesn't... I am ready. Pilot, hey! Man, it's good to see you. How you doing? No, no, answer that later. We got a serious situation here. What? What do we got to do? <laughs> yeah. So everyone is ready to go and Pilot is back on board and he tries to tell John about his statistical models because Pilot does the math and John's like, I don't care what you did and just tell me what you need me to do, which is one reason I really love Farscape is like they don't waste time with the techno babble. Like mm-hmm. it's perfect for Star Trek when everybody has like had that kind of training and understands it. And they're, But here on Farscape, it's like... I don't care. Just tell me what you need me to do and I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and even better. I mean, I just, so John's excitement at hearing pilot is just like complete joy. It's also matched when they're first waking up pilot. They're essentially like squeezing all these adrenal glands so that he gets like a huge shot of adrenaline. And then Aaron is like kicking him (laughs) with like her whole body. To be fair, he's a pretty big dude. Yeah, he's like real big. It's it's like, you know, it's her version of like us, you know, slapping somebody in the face. But she's like kicking him so hard. But then as soon as he wakes up, she just has that brilliant Aaron soon smile. And you're like, ah, uh, your heart yeah. is like breaking over how much all of these characters love each other, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And speaking of how much they love each other, this is kind of what it comes down to at the end here. So Pilot's going to have the impulse engines go and Aaron is going to pilot Moya because Pilot is still shaky. He just woke up from being unconscious. Aaron's going to pilot him. And then they have this Fazdalon generator thing, 
that has to be initiated so that they can be out of phase so that the other ship can can pass back through Moya and be separated. And John, at first, is the one who's going to push the button because he feels responsible. And mm-hmm. Zan is like, no. And this is this is Zan's goodbye to them. And I'm just going to play it, and then we can all cry madly because Zan. No! John! Zan! I've got this. What's going on? Well, just a guess, but somebody's got to actually trigger the generator. Get back. Both of you get back. No! Aaron, Aaron, do you see this disco? I put it here. I'm going to take it away. Crichton! Aaron, enough. You are both so good at gauging reality. Yet in this instance... Sam, there's a planet out there. A long shot at best, John. The illness that is ravaging my body is frighteningly efficient. No! So while I'm still sound of mind and spirit, I choose this path for myself. Zan, you're needed here. At one time, I believe I was. But then a family was born. You birthed it. We love you, Zan. <gasps> decompression, decompression! Where to go, where to go, where to go? Zan, it'll be easy. I'll start the generator, I'll come across. If it is so easy, allow me. That no. No, no. No more. If I am so needed, and so valued, and so wise, then you will honor my words. You will obey me. For the longest time, I feared physical demise because my spiritual lessons were suspect. But now I know I'm worthy. Now I know the transgressions have melted from my soul. Now I know I shall meet my goddess and be accepted to her bosom. And then she goes on and kind of has a little quiet moment where she names each crew member and who they are to her. At the end of it, she she pushes on the buttons and... She goes with the other ship, and it gets disintegrated, and she dies. And you could hear throughout that the interjections of Stark. That was him running through the hallways and trying to find a path through tears that are blocked off because of the decompression. And he can't get to her, and it's just heartbreaking to watch Stark basically shatter when Zan goes. And she speaks Mm -hmm. to him directly into his mind. It is really touching and very, very sad. And Aaron is heartbroken. She tries to stop Zan again, and John has to hold her back. It's just sad. It's so sad. It's not okay. Not okay. And like, uh, yeah. And And the thing that I really like about this is because so often you have deaths that are random or undeserved or you know like Kate in NCIS where it's like oh she got shot or like on MASH where they have like one of the characters leave and then his helicopter gets shot down and you're like thanks for that MASH (laughs) like not okay airplane but yeah 
Yeah. And so this really felt deserved and it felt like they worked for four episodes to make it make it have meaning and to mm-hmm. not make it kind of like she needs to do this, but there would have been a different way if you think about it. It's like, no, like somebody needs to do this. Somebody yeah. needs to die. I like that she phrases it as, you know, if you respect me, you're going to let me do this for you. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm this wonderful person, then you need to let me do this because it is time. I'm dying. I don't even know if the plant planet planting treatment is going to work. This is something I can do for you that will save you and be good. And mm-hmm. I really like that that she phrases it that way because that's often, you know, when somebody does sacrifice themselves or is prevented from sacrificing themselves, there's a level of respect or a lack of respect is in the, in the response. Like, mm-hmm. do you respect that the character made a choice and that that choice was a good choice for them? Or do you disrespect that choice and remember them and feel guilty about it and try to devalue that choice that they made just because you feel bad that you didn't die for them instead? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like that there's that level of respect that Zan gets. And you feel it too with just the long goodbye that you get. Because, okay, this is another pet peeve of mine. They're on this countdown. This timing thing is like super critically important. And then there's like this really long goodbye scene. And I got to say, it bugged me. <laughs> yeah. I liked the really good long goodbye scene. But at the same time in my head, I'm like, oh my God, you're out of time. You're out of time. Get going, get going, get going. <laughs> it's like I they know. put a pause on reality for a second there. Yeah, it's minute. like they had to there. Because if they'd just been like, okay, bye guys, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get you. I mean, like, I find that a lot more in other episodes. This one, it didn't bug me like too much because yeah. they weren't they weren't ever really sure what the timing was. Do you know what I mean? Because like John would constantly be like, Jewel, is it getting any faster? And she's <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> like a little bit, you know? Yeah, no, that's that's fair. But it just um, felt like they were taking a break from the urgency yeah. of the situation. Which, you know, it's it's Zan's last moments, you know, it's okay. It's just that's one of that's just a more of a general pet peeve of mine than specific <laughs> to this episode. Yeah. I mean and I definitely have called them out on the past. Where I'm like, <laughs> why are you taking like a five minute goodbye? You need to get moving. Yeah. So yeah, everybody's really, really broken up about Zan. And essentially what happens is the two ships split apart, we see her disappear, we see Moya kind of struggling through the wormhole, and then it cuts to Moya being fine. Yeah. Well, more or less. She's out in normal space. Yeah. Presumably recovering. And we have a moment between two characters who don't really ever have moments together, and they're two puppets, and I think I would like to play it. (laughs) I appreciate your concern, Rigel. It's just that You've never paid this much attention to me before. (laughs) I think maybe you haven't noticed. I like you, pilot. I like you a lot. And I know Zan did too. Shame you didn't get to say goodbye. When I was unconscious in pain, she came to me. Inside my mind I already miss her oh I think it's kind of cool that Rigel's the one stepping in to to comfort pilot Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he never does that. But now that he knows that Pilot likes him or thinks he knows that Pilot likes him, you know, he wants to pay that back. And yeah. especially since it's to Zan's memory as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that that right there, you know, him trying to comfort Pilot is, it really does come from a selfless place for Rigel. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, on the one hand, he's kind of like, oh, you like me? Okay, now I like you. But on the other hand, it really does come from a place of Rigel kind of being like, we both lost somebody that was important to us in different ways. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and Pilot being open to that. And, you know, both of them sharing that that they miss Sam, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's one last character interaction reaction that I wanted to play, and it's between Stark and Aaron. And they are in the maintenance bay when this takes place. Honestly, Erin, you don't have to hover over me. To be honest, in return, Stark, I'd expect you to be a bit more upset. Well, after 15,000 deaths, what's 15,001? The woman you loved. I minister to in their final moments are usually resistant to the process. Not so. Imagine being so at peace, so certain what was next was better. She does not want us upset. She wants us to carry on in her spirit, positive and hopeful. And you can do that. I would appreciate you hovering then. So Stark is uh, naturally calm, is what Aaron observes. And I think it's, again, Aaron's really astute human observation or person observation and the sense of what's going on with people on the inside. Like, he's calm. He's too calm. Something's not right with him. But I really like how the conversation unfolds where Stark did get some closure with Zan that none of the rest of them did. She he he got to feel what she where she was at on the inside when she did die and she was at peace with herself. And that went a long way to soothing to soothing him. But as he says, he's not always okay with that. Mm-hmm. And that really long pause kind of in the middle is him turning around with the screwdriver and Aaron very carefully taking it out of his hands because he's holding it kind of like a weapon. So, yeah, I don't know. The two of them, just because they've had this, you know, Stark being a little bit of a creeper with Aaron, I find it interesting that she was the one who went to hover over him and make sure he was okay. Mm-hmm. And, and also that he's kind of okay with that. Well, I think, and it also speaks to kind of the different ways that people are dealing with with Zan's death. Like, I think that, so, Rigel is uncharacteristically sympathetic. Dargo is sitting in his ship alone. John is really struggling because he's talking to Harvey about it. And, or he's at least existing with Harvey about it. And Jewel is kind of following Chiana and... Because I think that Jewel doesn't know what else to do. And Shiana actually turns around and she's like, listen, one of my very best friends just died. I don't really have the time for you right now. Shiana being able to make that statement really spoke volumes to me because Shiana is a character that came in and was kind of like, I don't need anybody. I'm on my own. I don't need anybody, you know, and 
so kind of her her being able to verbalize that Zan was one of her best friends. And then here, Aaron needing to do something. And so she the only thing she can think to do is try and make sure that Stark, somebody who was important to Zan, is okay, you know? Mm-hmm. It felt really, I don't know, it felt really right to me. Everybody else was kind of internal, but Aaron doesn't really do internal that well. So the only way she could try and deal with Zan's death is by externalizing and by trying to help someone. Yeah, I really like that. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, that's that's kind of where the episode ends. That is you know? with the episode. So what would you give this episode? I, I kind of combine the two of them because you can't really watch one without the other. And I think that the two of them together is like a four for me because they they each kind of have different strengths and weaknesses that I think are evened out over the course of two episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm a four with this one as well. I think they're they're really well put together by and large but as you say yeah there's some strength and we- strengths and weaknesses and i think this is one of those episodes though where i don't really care about the weaknesses as much mm. like my brain literally does not remember the things i don't like <laughs> like you mentioned something is like oh right i didn't like that but no i'm so focused on the stuff they do right that it it comes across pretty well yeah um and this is one of those odd episodes because it's zan's death and it's one that i haven't rewatched as much with mm-hmm. of the show like there's other episodes that i've rewatched multiple times but this one is not one of them so it was really kind of nice revisiting it especially having done the full rewatch thus far mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's good it's good so next week we have different destinations different destinations so we are farscape friday podcast at gmail Dreamwidth, and tumblr we are farscape friday on twitter Go ahead and hit us up. Tell us how much you cried, how many buckets you cried in this episode. (laughs) If you like our podcast, please review us on iTunes. That's how other people can find our podcast. So we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.